Gary and I finally get back into the China cabinet this week, digging through the devastation caused by Americans surrendering your liberties and your sovereignty to the CCP. From Janet Yellen's awkward bow to Biden's Marxist nominee for chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, the hits just keep on coming. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and with my good friend Gary Humble, this is the Freedom Matters Podcast. Hey, trying to grow, trying to grove. Wow, that was Doobie quick. Brothers. Yeah. Oh yeah, I know this. All right, but which Doobie Brothers lead singer? Ooh. Was this McDonald? Michael McDonald? Is it Michael? This no. is pre Michael McDonald. Ooh. Yeah, I don't remember that guy's name. Last name Johnson. I think it's Tim Johnson. You couldn't just give it to me, huh? Like, like I had, I had to know the <laughs> lead singer's so name well. too. <laughs> I love this song. Nobody knows what it means. <clears throat> Even the band said they just kind of put it together. And it's one of those. Yeah, it's it's funny though. As I'm listening to China Grove, Gary, I'm looking up at our clock, and right now as we're recording in Beijing, it's 4:13 a.m. Why do we have Beijing on our clock? We've got Tokyo, Kiev, Paris, London, New York, L.A. Why not Nashville? Oh, I guess Central Time, the big one in the middle. Uh, that, yeah, I think the, the the big one, the big flashy one, that's Nashville. <laughs> that's, it doesn't say Nashville, though. It just says Central Time now. <laughs> time is now 3.13 and 52 seconds. You know, I guess Kiev's pretty important. <clears throat> oh, my gosh. Time to know these days, huh? <laughs> Take, yeah, that's. It's not like that wasn't put in there for on purpose, right? I never remember seeing. And, and speaking of Kiev, it's just funny. I, I'll just mention, you know, today as we're recording, it's Friday, and it's big event going on in Iowa right now. Blaze TV is hosting some of the, uh, well, I think all of the presidential candidates minus one, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, I saw Tucker Carlson giving some hell to these folks about Ukraine. <laughs> he good. He laughed. Tucker Carlson laughed in Mike Pence's face. Um it was awesome. And it's it's so good Gary because these presidential candidates, the the political class are so used to being respected by the media, right? Yeah. Like oh oh I'm a statesman, so you can't laugh at me. No, you you need to laugh at power. That's the way that you speak truth to power. Yeah. So I I'm I'm thankful. It's like, man, I don't know. It kind of feels like we're we're facing the possibility of a, of a new dawn. You know, in the media age here, uh, with with Tucker and everything he's doing on Twitter. You know, the fact that Blaze TV is is hosting this really intense sort of debate set up. What a hundred and what is it? hundred and eighty something days before the Iowa caucus even takes place, mm. <clears throat> which makes for a is long. Is it exactly? Ele- is that what it is? It's something exactly like 100? that. I think. I think it's. I think it's Jan- January fifteenth. Is that right? Is no, it's the- usually first week in February. No, it's going to be January this year. January this yeah, year. Yeah, January. Huh. Yeah. So anyway, increases the. I don't know. Increase. It's still going to be in the snow, right? <laughs> I was yeah. thinking of getting caught in Iowa in yeah. the snow during the cruise campaign. But I know some of those clips are going around Twitter, and it's it's really fun watching. Uh, again, uh, Carlson's not pulling any punches uh, on this thing. So appreciate all the folks in Iowa, uh, Bob Vanderplotz, the family leader, and Blaze TV giving us some insight into uh, who these folks are running for president. Do you know, Gary? <clears throat> where the event is being held in Iowa and how many people are there live? Uh, I don't. 
But I did hear Steve Dace comment that this today will be the single most attended event by the most conservative activists in media in Iowa during this entire caucus process. So like uh, wow. from from Steve Dace's vantage point, if you're a candidate and you want to be in front of all of the conservative mm-hmm. grassroots people in Iowa, today's the day. Hmm. Today's the day. Which is interesting that 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 one of the primary candidates is not there. <clears throat> yeah, doesn't Trump in Iowa lead the polls? Well, he leads the polls everywhere. And I, I've been listening to a lot of clips on this. And look, people always get, uh, you know, they're getting mad at us for feeling like, you know, y'all are, y'all are back into Santa's. Y'all are Trump. I'm not Trump bashing. I'm just, the fact is, you know, he's, yes, granted, he seems like he's 30, 40, 50 points ahead mm-hmm. in some states. Uh, I mean, even even DeSantis, you know, from a number two standpoint, he's still, you know, 30, 40 points behind Trump. Right. Of course, you know, point number one is we should all acknowledge by now that these polls are absolute trash, right? That's point number one. But point number two is there's a lot of people defending the fact that, well, why should Trump debate based on those? He'd be crazy to debate based on those polls. And my response to that is that that's true. Like just from a political strategy vantage point, yes, Mm -hmm. of course. However, the question is, does a presidential candidate who's serious about conservative values in our Constitution not feel within themselves that they owe it to the voter to show up to a debate? Yeah. Right? And that's that's how I look at it. Yeah, to make the argument to the American people. Unless all Trump is saying is that he's going to do the exact same thing in a second Trump administration as the first, you think that he would want to be distinguishing his first administration from his proposed second, right? Because people know the mistakes he made. People are aware of the the people that he appointed who are leftists or the people that he left in power who were against his his administration against his plans and purposes. Why wouldn't he want to make that argument and explain, right. let me put you at ease. That's right. This is what I'm going to do. Exactly. Come out front right now and mm-hmm. say, I'm going to fix this. Yeah. We're going to do it differently. But he's not. And I think, you know, I think that should be educative to some folks. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. um, it's I'm, the biggest takeaway for me today watching this so far is the fact that they're not getting softball questions. They're not getting treated with kid gloves. I mean, Tucker Carlson is going after these fools. <laughs> mm, that's <laughs> great. I, I like it. <clears throat> he probably see. I would imagine Tucker Carlson feels such freedom to be able to speak his mind. He he's always spoken his mind, but now to be able to speak his mind more freely than ever because post Fox Tucker Carlson, if he didn't have a sense of this before. He clearly knows that the people are behind him. How many how many millions of people listen to everything he says now? He puts out a tweet, he does a he does an interview on Twitter. That's confidence building. You can go right out and say anything you want. Yep. At that point. Yeah, you know what his episode one on Twitter uh was over eighty million views like within a few hours. Yeah. Pretty incredible. It trounces what he was appealing to before. Um, and the audience size is huge. I, you wonder what the people at Fox are thinking now. Yep. Regardless of what their reasons were for um, separating ways with, with Tucker Carlson, the, the value that they lost is incredible. And part of the conversation I just thought was interesting, just to give it a little bit of local flavor, 
you know, they're discussing Ukraine and and on two fronts. One, defending um, why perhaps they supported sending money to Ukraine. And a, another big issue that was brought to Pence was, you know, he's supposed to be this big defender of religious liberty and Christians and churches mm-hmm. and and clergy are getting persecuted, you know, like crazy over there, and he doesn't seem to care about the persecution happening in Ukraine. So a lot of concerns about Ukraine, and I'll just say I think I I hope to hear a lot clearer stance from all of these candidates, including, by the way, uh, DeSantis and Trump both, which clearly are the two front runners. I mean, I, I, I want to hear a lot more than I'm hearing right now about what they would do in Ukraine Mm -hmm. and how they feel about the current situation, because I think that's what voters are thinking about. In fact, just last month here in Williamson County, we had a a Williamson County Republican Party mix and mingle, which was great, really well attended. We had about 200 people there. It was awesome. Our new party, the new regime, the new party leadership here in in the county is doing a phenomenal job. Amen. Conservatives are showing up enforced to be uh, involved in the party. Well, the the guest speaker was uh, Congressman Mark Green, who represents mm-hmm. our congressional 7th district here in the state of Tennessee. And he was pressed on Ukraine quite a bit because he has voted uh, more than once, I believe, right. to send money to Ukraine. And and it wasn't as much his, his answer or his stance on Ukraine. Of course, his, his stance was very unpopular with the crowd mm-hmm. and they let him know it but mm-hmm. he he did a great job answering questions I'll give him that and uh, you know he he stood there and explained himself as as to why he's supportive and a lot of it has to do with his own personal experience with some of these nations and NATO and his past service in the military and and you know what have you but I don't think people still weren't they yeah. still weren't having it <laughs> but but my my point in all of that is it was incredible being in a room in Williamson County at a local party event and hearing people's concern at the local level about what's going on in Ukraine and our response. And so it, it's clear to me, I think, that's what's really on the voters' mind in this upcoming presidential election. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I'm I'm not hearing enough from these from Trump. I'm not hearing enough from DeSantis. I'm not hearing enough conversation about the the truth that we all think we understand about Ukraine. It's it's just it's being glossed over. And that's an issue. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw it Gary just today when we're recording, which means it probably happened last night because it was in my inbox when I woke up that the Biden administration just called up 3,000 reservists right to go and join the men who are already on the ground. In Ukraine, what did he call it? His his Atlantic operation or something like that? Yeah, which apparently has been going on since the Obama administration. Did mm. you know since 2014, the Crimea? The, that, that's what that's what that um, did not know. That. It's called the Atlantic. Yeah, what is that called? The Atlantic something operation with NATO. Because Ukraine is is a decent distance from the Atlantic. Yeah, right? and <laughs> but the biggest concern about that is you're sending 3,000 reservists because you don't have enough regular army. I mean, forget the issue of why are we sending them, but the fact that we're calling reservists, and we're also running out of ammunition, right? We're spending all of our ammunition in Ukraine, 
if I'm the Chinese, I'm just licking my chops, not just about Taiwan, but about what else can I do to take care of this clearly weakened United States. And if I'm Xi in China, I'm going to do everything I can to try to encourage the United States to blow all of its capital, all of its people, all of its uh, all of its um, really your emotional reservoir for war all in Ukraine so that when China wants to take its step, whether it's first in Taiwan and expanding its um, initiatives in the South China Sea, the United States not only doesn't have the weaponry, but they don't have the will. Yeah, you're spent. Yeah, just spent at all levels. Yep. Um, disturbing. So, so I feel like I feel like now my bringing up of the Ukraine topic is now leading us into the China closet, the China, which yeah. we haven't visited in a while. We haven't visited it in so long that it's it's so full that when you open it up, you get this. <laughs> Nice. Right? That's what it sounds like when you open up a very full china cabinet. Thank you, Mr. Producer, for that sound effects. Um, yeah, I, I think we need, to, we need to hit on a couple of points, Gary, because I've been storing every week. I put new China news in my inbox to prepare for um, our podcast, and then we talk about something else that's important, and then I don't have time, and so this has really, really piled up. But a couple of things. And I want, I want you to comment on each one of them. Then we'll go to the next one. Did you see, Gary, just this week, Secretary of the Treasury, Janet Yellen, bowing, Bow. yeah. bowing, not see. once, twice, not twice, more than that, three times. Yeah. I saw the to, clip. Three, it's just an awkward three-time bow. She kind of looks like one of those. When I grew up, my grandparents had a little bird that dipped in water. Did you ever see those? They, they go slowly, slowly, yes. slowly, and then they finally dip in the water and pop back up. Well, she did this weird, uh, 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 put her heads down like three times like a little bird in front of their, whatever their equivalent of the Treasury Department is in China, which that sends so many bad signals. It's, it's, it's appeasement, it's weakness, it's subordination to yep. the Chinese. No American should ever do that. And the fact that one of our state, official state, representatives did that is it was alarming it, it was both embarrassing but also um a, a sign of the times kevin i think i think in so many regards and interesting i think too um i don't want to get in the weeds here but the interesting thing about that is it was treasury folks like our treasury and their treasury and that was very i think prophetic and symbolic of Almost can can we even avoid the fact that the dollar yep. will the dollar will be subservient? Mm-hmm. Um, that that's where we're going. That, and and we all know this is the this is the goal of the Marxists, the goal of the globalists. Biden's playing along. They are they are doing everything they can to destroy the dollar. And the dollar, right. I, I don't I don't want to say it will be. I'm I don't want to speak. I want to speak faith here, but it it was it's an interesting sight to see our. Our our treasury essentially bowing to theirs. Yeah, it's 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 a great, uh, great's probably the wrong word. It is a ironic visual to see the U.S. Secretary of the Treasury bowing in subordination to the Chinese equivalent Secretary of their Treasury when that is exactly what's happening all over the world. That there is a a very concerted effort now because the dollar is so weak to try to replace the dollar um, with not just with the Chinese yen, but I mean, obviously that's, that's where they're going. 
And people have no clue of the worldwide implications that will come from that. The only the only temporary hope I have, Gary, from an economic standpoint is I have read that, and this is from people who are much more invested in this and knowledgeable about it than I am, that one of the problems with changing so quickly is it won't allow <laughs> – this is, this is the funny part about the uh, – Right. On the one hand, we don't like what the uh, World Economic Forum is doing, but apparently the U.S. dollar is the easiest to move around and manipulate and to move in and out without oversight. Whereas when you get to when you switch to a different currency, um, that's not going to happen overnight for them to be able to do that. And it's going to put restraints on their ability to to move around the cash and the liquidity that they're able to do right now with the dollar. So it's kind of a an odd reason for an odd reason to be happy that 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 because ultimately the dollar staying still the world's reserve currency uh, people have no clue in this country what what life will look like when that changes when it finally happens and i do agree i think it's it's clearly going to happen it's not gonna be the kind of life we want that's for sure no. and just to prep our audience speaking of the dollar uh, in a couple of weeks we do have Catherine austin fitz uh coming back on the show yes and um very very anxious to, to to rehash this conversation with her and uh, where she sees this going. I'm Unfortunately, I feel like she will wholeheartedly agree with our assessment mm-hmm. as to where the dollar is heading. But yep. but uh, but I know she's got a lot of ideas as to how we can thwart our currently pending doom. Yeah, if we're if we're if we're willing, right? Yep. If if states like Tennessee are willing to do what's necessary to protect our interests. You know, it's interesting you say willing, Gary. I had a conversation this morning with a friend of mine who was bothered by the fact that the Biden administration, after the Supreme Court said that cancellation of student debt is unconstitutional, the Biden administration shifts to another policy, um, which I haven't even researched, but I knew it was coming, right? They, They found some some silo within the Department of Education to be able to relieve under certain conditions certain debt. Over over 800,000 debtors. Yeah, exactly. And the comment came to me, this person was perplexed and bothered by the fact that, wait a second, the Supreme Court just said, you can't do this. Why is this happening? And it opened up the opportunity for me to explain, um, as we've talked about and hinted at on this program, Laws do not mean anything if there's no willingness to abide by them, if there's no willingness to support the ideas. We can hold up the Declaration. We can hold up then the Constitution. We can hold up state constitutions and state laws. But if there is no public will, if there is no belief in the ideas that support these laws, the laws on a piece of paper are meaningless. And we're seeing it by the fact that the Biden administration said, okay, Constitution— I can't do this constitutionally. I'll find some other way to do what I want to do. Right. And and pretend it's constitutional. Yeah. To, to, to get, which is another subject altogether, right? We don't respect the Constitution, except we want to give ourselves some appearance of propriety. Right. All right. So another uh, China cabinet. I think we need to hear that sound again, though, because there's still so much in the China cabinet. Oh. <laughs> Man. Dang it. Got, uh, got off balance there. Yeah. I was re- reaching too <laughs> reaching. high. The no, shelf. There's so much. We don't even have to reach high. I can just pull stuff from the bottom. Maybe that's why it collapsed. All right. Have you, Gary, been following the, um, what is his title? 
well, his name is General Charles C.Q. Brown. He's Biden's um, nominee for chairman of the Joint Chiefs. All right. So Guy's a clear Marxist. And uh, let me read to you very briefly, and then you can comment on this. His name is General Charles C.Q. Brown, Jr., and he is the nominee for chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff. And um, here, here are some of the things that he has said and who he is. Number one, he believes that the screening process for candidates for promotion in the military should be hired for diversity. We've got to actually nudge and pull. This is a quote. Poll and actually purposely manage to ensure that we have diverse candidates that can compete. And he said that the development and opportunities of, quote, diverse population isn't, quote, happening just by luck. So moving forward, we need to make sure that we actually have a broader group of candidates to choose from to accomplish these things. Now, this is what I want you to comment on, though. The author of this article. Point, I'm ready. I'm ready to comment now. I, I know, but I want I want to give you more context because this is really what's happening underneath. So stupid. I'm going to read you a quote from Mao, and you tell me if this sounds like this is happening to our military. Okay, this is a quote from Mao. It was actually written December 1929. The Chinese Red Army is an armed body for carrying out the political tasks of the revolution. Especially at present, the Red Army should certainly not confine itself to fighting. Besides fighting to destroy the enemy's military strength, it should shoulder such important tasks as doing propaganda among the masses, organizing the masses, arming them, helping them to establish revolutionary political power, and setting up party organizations— the Red Army fights not merely for the sake of fighting, but in order to conduct propaganda among the masses to organize them and arm them with political power. Without these objectives, fighting loses its meaning and the Red Army loses the reason for its existence. Again, wow. Mao's words, December 1929. 29. Is that not what is happening to our military? It's not only what's happening to our military, quite honestly. It's, it's happening at every level of government. I mean, as you were reading that, not military, right? But I'm thinking of the Sam, whatever, the luggage thief that was heading a nuclear division of our energy department. You know, the trans, oh uh, yeah, trans guy with the lipstick, mm. whatever. Yeah. Um. Our 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 director, <laughs> the luggage thief, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's what I that's what I know him. That's what yes. I that's what I'll forever remember him as the luggage thief. Uh, what the the idiot that uh, runs our health department? Right? Oh my from, gosh, from Vermont. From- no, the health department's from my home state of Pennsylvania, oh, it Pen- unfortunately. Oh, it's Pennsylvania, that's right. Yeah, that's the right. guy that wants to be a girl, and oh my gosh. Maybe it's because he looks like Bernie. It made me think of Vermont, I don't know. <laughs> um, uh, what else? The uh, Well, this is military. I can't. I don't know the guy's name, but there was a picture going around of, of this military um, headshot in, a, in one of those puppy masks, the dog masks. You oh, seen? yes, yes, yes. What was that? Why did we see that? You know, all of these. I think we, did we not talk about that a couple weeks ago? I don't think here? so, but but you know, a, a military guy taking a headshot in, in puppy playwear or whatever yeah. they call it. You know, all all of this stuff at every level absolutely is is propaganda. You know, they're using every government agency and position that they can to push this Marxist propaganda. Look, at the end of the day, can I just say I don't give a rip 
about how diverse. My, I don't care if they're all white, all black. I don't care. What I want to know about my military is that we can blow more stuff up than the other guy. Yeah, that we that's can, what I that want. We can my military. defend the homeland. That we can advance American principles. Why do we think? When I was growing up, Gary, the reason the Soviet um, threat was ultimately a bit of a paper tiger, I'm not saying it wasn't serious, was because, like all communist countries, they were focused inward. All of their energies and efforts were to attempt to undermine their own people. That's why they were not prepared to really take on a foreign enemy. Well, this is exactly what has happened to the U.S. military over the last 10 to 20 years, is its focus is all to root out any objection, right, and, and to undermine the freedoms of Americans. They're, our military is really good at destroying our liberties. I don't have any confidence that they can defend us against a foreign enemy. Man, I unfortunately wholly agree with that assessment. I also think that there are a lot of folks within the military. You know, we, we spoke with one, you know, a couple of weeks ago, right, at, at your place. Mm-hmm. And... um. I think there are plenty of men and women currently within the ranks that see and know exactly what's going on. And it was, um, you know, this was a, this was a high level guy we were having conversation with. And it, it did not do me well to walk away from that conversation, understanding how concerned he was about what he sees going on within the ranks of the military. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, as you and I said, even even that afternoon, um, obviously we can't talk about who he is and 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 tell anything other than the fact that yes, it's a high level American um, military representative. I'll just leave it at that. Who knows things that most people don't know, and he was extremely concerned. So anybody who is concerned from what you think you know. When you hear what's actually going on, it, it confirms those suspicions and even takes them deeper and makes them worse. So it's something we should be concerned about. Yeah, concerned with our ability to compete, concerned with our ability to to effectively defend the homeland. And as you mentioned earlier, from a stockpile perspective, um, I think confirmed in conversation that mm-hmm. indeed we we are running out of ammunition. That's right. And it's uh, it's it's scary, y'all. I mean, it's just. It, not a good spot. Well, let me add one more to the China cabinet, and just for fun, one more time. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so this is about the Wolf Amendment. Do you know what the Wolf Amendment is, Gary? I don't, but you're going to tell me. So the Wolf Amendment was passed, I don't know what year, so we'll look up that later, but it was passed to prevent the CCP espionage on our space program. Okay, so we have a Wolf Amendment which signed by Congress, signed into law by the president. Don't know when it was, but... And yet, and this is this is what drives me bananas. When I, when I tell you this, think of it in terms of... Remember when we, um, we, we finally figured out as a, as a nation that um, the Confucius Institutes were not a good thing to have on college campuses. Clearly. Right? So all of the effort was put into we're banning the Confucius Institutes and we're defunding Confucius Institutes. Well, what did they do? Renamed it. They just renamed it, right? So now think of that type of approach here. The Wolf Amendment is intended to prevent CCP, Chinese Communist Party, espionage on our space program. And yet, the United States allows 300,000 Chinese students to study leading-edge technologies and sciences in American universities and graduate schools. 
and the universities are complicit because of the money. Chinese pay cash at full tuition, right? And obviously some of those students, if not all of them, will return to China, to the CCP, to further their policies. And most university research programs are partially funded with U.S. tax dollars. So many of the Chinese students also become cash transfer runners, listen to this, for the fentanyl drug trade between Chinese and Mexican cartels. Approximately 10,000 Americans study in China. 300,000 Chinese studying in the United States, stealing all of our technology, taking it back home. 10,000 Americans study in China. It's, it's a complete farce. It, it, remi- it makes me think of some of the tactics that we have here in our own legislature in the state of Tennessee where we, we pass a bill that everyone knows is only good for fodder in a news headline, mm-hmm. right? But in, in function, right, it's actually not going to do the thing that it's supposed to do. What good is an espionage act simply on a space shuttle? There's a lot more things to steal than just, yep. you know, information on a in the space program. I mean, think about the the cybersecurity issues and all the things we face. But look at the recent attempts to prevent foreign nationals, especially from China, from buying real property, not mm-hmm. only in Texas, but across the United States. You know, Chip Roy, congressman out of Texas, submitted a bill, I believe – sometime within the last year, year and a half or mm-hmm. so, in Congress uh, to do just that, to, pr- to create a federal law that would prevent members of the Chinese Communist Party from buying real property right. in the United States of America, especially, you know, near uh, military, military bases yep. and installations. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, you know, where, why is there not more appetite for something like that? Why is it that we continue to... Uh, placate these things to the Chinese. We don't address the real issues. I will say um, we, we did do something uh, to that effect, and it, it did get passed. It finally it got funded. It, it was put – it was originally placed behind the budget, uh, but it did get funded in the final uh, budget proposal from the governor's office. It was amended. But HB 40 here in Tennessee did pass, run by uh, House Rep. Jay Reedy, uh, forgive me, I cannot remember the uh, the state senator who ran the bill, but it did pass. And and what it does, it prevents anyone who is currently on the United listed on the United States sanctions mm, that's list right. uh, from purchasing real property. Which means it, it doesn't necessarily, I believe, because I went I actually went pull up the United States sanction list, and it's it, it doesn't say China, but there but there are several. Foreign entities either based in China or associated with China that are on that list, as mm-hmm. well as from other nations. So it's certainly a step in the right direction, and I'm thankful that we we did get that done here in Tennessee. But, but it, there are ways to circumvent it. Absolutely. Yeah. Is it going to stop a member of the Chinese Communist Party from buying property in Tennessee? No. Yeah. It will not. You can set up a business, and as we've talked about a lot on this program— There is no such thing as private enterprise in China. So every business that has any kind of Chinese connection is connected. Any kind of business that comes from China is connected with the Chinese Communist Party by law, by rule, by custom. And so if there's one party that might be on the watch list, right, 
they just set up a new company that's not, and you make sure that the owners are people who are not already on that list. Yeah, I mean, and in, in 2019, our governor was at a conference in Kentucky with six other United States governors forging relationships to do business with China. With China. Because it's all about business, Gary. You know, the, the, the quote-unquote, what do they keep saying? Our great state of Tennessee. Yeah. They don't define it. No, we're, we're Kevin, we're, we're leading the nation. Have you seen that? That's the leading the nation to leading, what? I don't know. Leading like, the nation to compromise with the Chinese. Leading the nation to uh, leading the nation in first to capitulate to the Chinese. We need to remind our audience. What are we? One of one of the what was the word that um, the Lee administration was deemed in a Newsweek article? Friend, uh, friendly. Was it just friendly? I think it's friendly. This was a. This I was, was thinking there was a more. Uh, I don't know. I Exciting friend, word. This <laughs> that was a, a list that was put together at the time by uh, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo. That's right. Who who listed um, what what the Chinese considered uh, friendly governors yes. or friendly states, and uh, Governor Bill Lee made that list. And we know. I think it's public knowledge. We know that the governor has had many visits from Bill Gates, many, who is very connected with the Chinese that we know. So it doesn't take much imagination to put two plus two and to get four. I, Gary, I do. I, I, I lied I, I, or I misspoke. I, there is one more bit of encouragement that I have. We don't need the China cabinet to be spilling out. Maybe we're pulling enough out now. <laughs> but the state of Iowa, now that we're talking about Tennessee, before we step into Tennessee business, the state of Iowa actually has taken action, and it's. Uh, let me read to you a little quote, quote from a story that came out in I think this was in May. So the Iowa state legislature authored a bill that prohibits Iowa's taxpayer-supported pension system from investing in companies owned or controlled by the Chinese military. Remember, our U.S. our federal government remains invested through BlackRock and Vanguard yep. and others in building up the Chinese. They're enemies, right? right? We're putting money into our enemies and taxpayer money at that. Well, at least in the state of Iowa, this bill was passed and it was signed by Governor Kim Reynolds that will prevent this from happening. So at least public pension monies, which is a, a, a pretty large sum of money, cannot be invested in any company that's owned or controlled by the Chinese military or government. So that's good news. And it's certainly an indication of what states can do even if the federal government is dropping the ball. I don't know that we have anything like that specifically in in Tennessee. I, I just don't know. Um, I do know that this year, again, not in terms of protecting the individual, which we always seem to fail to do here in Tennessee um, at times. Hey, but, but we protect the businesses, Gary. That, that's, right, that's true. Uh but what they did pass this year is a law that will restrict the state of Tennessee from investing uh, things like pension funds and, and other state funds uh, into investments that are contingent or dependent upon ESG practices. Um, so Wait, so that's that, a step that in passed? the right direction. That did pass. Okay. Yeah, so that's who, a step in the right direction. Who are the sponsors of that? I, I don't know. I don't remember the sponsor. I, I believe that was a push from the governor, I think, but, but that did pass. But it... But what I was hearkening to, though, in terms of the individual, though, Kevin, here's what failed. Senator Janice Bowling had a bill that would have made it state law to regulate 
a bank in such a way that would prevent a bank from discriminating against an individual based on ESG, right? It would have that law would have actually protected you mm-hmm. from banks promulgating ESG practices right. upon you. Now that bill failed. That failed. I, I watched the committee hearing of that bill. There was a someone from the one of the regulatory agencies or the Department of the Treasury, I can't remember who it was. But do you know his statement as to why the administration was against that particular bill? No. We can't regulate private banks. Kevin. <laughs> of course, I should have known. Uh, I should have I should have a redo. Of course I knew that was the we, answer. We can't tell a private bank what to do. That's not freedom. I I hear that line so much. We talk about it. Can you imagine how exciting it would be if one of our state representatives, senators or the governor actually said, "We can't regulate or deny the liberties of a citizen? Right. Can't do that here in Tennessee. <laughs> of course yes! we can. That's right. Good. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's, in, it's incredible. But so like I said, it's always it's always a give and take uh, seemingly in, in what these folks are willing to do. But I just want to throw that out there. So what else is going on in Tennessee? Actually, before you go into that, I think our audience needs to know. Well, thank you to our audience. There, we've gotten a lot of response, positive response from our last podcast People yeah. are people are so excited, as excited as you and I were to learn what we learned from Lance and and ranching right here in Middle Tennessee. Yeah, beef, beef and and USDA regulations and all those things. Um, I was I was really excited to hear his heart and what he's doing and what he's what he's working to put together. I know there there are other local ranchers across the state working on doing the same thing. We need a lot more. Yeah. And yes, I was I got a call from Lance yesterday and was really thankful to hear that that he's he's getting blown up in a good way. Yeah. Uh and people are are really excited about uh what he's doing and I think probably trying to get some some local beef. So that's great. Want to hear something funny about that? <clears throat> I got a comment from somebody in the state of Washington today who had listened to it. And <laughs> and he said, Oh man, it was great he said, I just feel guilty because I just bought some ribeyes from the grocery store right before <laughs> listening to it. Ribeye that's full of uh, uh, candy, candy wrappers. wrappers. Oh, yeah. my gosh. But it's I, I'm, I'm very thankful. So thanks again to Lance and thanks to those who have who have listened to that. But, Gary, what else is going on in Tennessee right now? Are we getting close to are there any changes on this uh, proposed red flag special session? What have you heard? No. No changes other than the fact that the the pushback is growing. More legislators are seeming to be coming online and making public statements about not having a special session uh, coming up on August 21st regarding red flag laws here in the state of Tennessee. The Tennessee Firearms Association, and I think also sort of in partnership with John Rich, uh, has a thing they're calling hashtag red flag down Mm-hmm. And um, they've been interviewing uh, various legislators, have been going on record, on video, stating that, you know, they're not voting for these laws, repudiating the governor's efforts, uh, of course, in a very respectful, nice way. <laughs> um, and so th- those sentiments continue. So the, wait, wait. So they're not being Tucker Carlson. Right. No. <laughs> yeah. that Tucker's being a little bit more brash than they are. But um, so those sentiments, in, in my opinion, are continuing to grow. In fact... Just today, again, as we're recording, officially, members of the uh, Williamson County Commission uh, and some other county leadership, including including Sheriff Dusty Rhodes, signed on to a letter to the governor 
declaring that we here in Williamson County are very much against the call for this Great. special session. Uh, it is not only uh, – just just even from the fact that it is a danger yeah, that's, uh, to that's the a public, issue. to mm-hmm. law enforcement in general. So, uh, again, all I will say, I, the biggest thing going on right now in Tennessee is still uh, the, the pressure – that the governor is is putting on folks. Uh, uh, Senator Farrell Hale recently made another comment about needing to partner with the NRA on some kind of an al- alternative. Jeez. Oh, and, and here's the problem. Here's the quote. Here is the quote of the day that these folks keep saying. The governor and all of these other folks that say, "Well, we, you know, but but we need to go address mental health." The quote is, "But we can't just do nothing." Mm. <laughs> yes, you can do and, nothing. And, and which is defend- exactly what you should do. Nothing. Defending the Constitution is not doing nothing. That's that's the other lie. To to well, that's a good point. To refuse to act against the Constitution is protecting our liberties. And that is doing something. That is a good point. Such a lie. Such establishing the premise. Gotta do something, gotta keep changing the law, changing the law, weaken our liberties. You know, look, uh, and and this is a, a little off topic but similar no such thing as off topic right. by the way <laughs> well everything's related well rabbit trailing a little bit in terms of of the the need that number one the governor feels to respond to the covenant shooting we have to do something the the need that some of these legislators have to do something just this week there's a, a big stir going on in just south of us in murray county uh you know columbia spring hill all that area mm-hmm. So in Murray County, apparently, some idiot is putting flyers around black churches in the area saying that they're not for diversity and uh, th- they are members of the KKK and the KKK <laughs> is coming back. Okay, now whether or not that's a false flag, whatever, I don't Definitely know. Is. Yeah, I think so. But anyway, all these things are being put around, apparently, black churches in Murray County. And so Representative Scott Sapicki puts out a public statement that, well, I'm not going to stand for this, and I'm going to make sure can you I, – I can't wait, theater of the mind, I can't wait to see your face <laughs> okay. in your response to this. So in response, Representative Sapicki has now committed that when we go back into session, mm. he's going to run a bill that's going to bring much harsher punishments to hate crimes. Oh, my gosh. So he's ex- I'm like, that, that's what we need? He accepted the premise. This is how easy these he guys took, he are. He took the bait. Yeah. They take the bait. And to your point, false flag, people, you need to understand this is how Marxists work. They pretend that they are the very people that they hate. And they commit. We, we this has happened so much. What's Jesse Smollett, right? Yeah, he was the most most public incident of this, pretending that he was lynched. The whole thing was made up. He hired some guys to do it. This is out of their playbook. We must understand that. Why doesn't one of our representatives, like Scott Sapicki, understand that that is a play? And he did. He took the bait. Yeah. Like he's like the fish. He's got the hook and around. And he's doing exactly what they want him to do. It's a play to diminish liberty, to diminish the Constitution, to diminish the First Amendment. Look, these things are not precursors to further restriction on rights. Mm -hmm. Stupid people are going to be stupid. And sometimes you can't regulate that. Yep. You can't regulate stupidity. It's – yeah, this – 
But I, but I brought that up because <laughs> oh, I, I brought that up because it's the same symptom. It's okay. We have a school shooting. Well, we need red flag laws. Yeah. Well, we're passing out KKK flyers, so we need tougher enforcement on hate crime. Yeah. I mean, it's sometimes the right answer is there that this is a a societal issue. We have cultural problems. That doesn't mean we go in the session and pass further restrictions on liberty. Yeah. It's it's again. All of that, I guarantee you, all of it is manufactured. And they keep doing it because it's working. It, it does The legislature work. is just falling for it over and over and over again. So as you say, is that, that's what we need to be focusing on? Instead of people's liberty, we need to be, it's almost like push a button, right? I'll push this button and the legislator will respond. It, he'll, he'll do what I want him to do if I put up and pretend that there's massive racism going on by somebody putting up a cake. I guarantee you that the people who put those up are quote-unquote progressives. They're Marxists. They're, it, it's, it's all made up, Gary. And the fact that Scott Spicky fell for it is really disappointing. Yeah. So that's what's going on in Tennessee right now. Well... We look forward to uh, next week. I'm going to get me some Italian tonight, Gary. What are you having for dinner? Oh, I don't know yet. I think, it, I think it's a good old hamburger. Okay. Well, enjoy it. Thanks so much. See you next week. Yep. And uh, I'm looking forward to Catherine Austin Fitzgerald. Oh, yeah. He's going to say that again. That's coming. Yep. Can't wait for that. All right. Bye, y'all. Thanks. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. As Thomas Paine reminded us, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it.